0: is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope when we trust in Your ways. We believe. Jesus is
1: real. Everybody was coming to the understanding at this point that Jesus is everybody's problem. And in a lot of ways, that's one of the things I love so much about Jesus. Jesus never did a good job of fitting into the boxes that existed in his day. And in a lot of ways, for you and for me as followers of Jesus, if you fit really nicely in one of the prevailing boxes of our culture that is not the God box, then I guarantee you, you are missing out on the life that Jesus has for you.
0: Jesus has never fit any mold we can create as humans. He's God, so he makes his own mold. Pastor Daniel today reminds us how differently Jesus lived during his time here on earth. Now perfectly, he lived that life. People didn't know how to handle him, so they asked many questions, many that we have today too. We'll learn in this new series how to emulate Jesus, and his ability to love everyone, and avoid getting put in a box ourselves. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 22 with part one of his message, The Big Idea.
1: one of the hardest realities to come to terms with in this life is the fact that life's not a dress rehearsal. You get one shot at this. One shot at every single day to live that day well. But know what the problem is? How many of us look back on our lives and see long stretches of our lives as being an adventure at missing the point? Yeah, a lot of you. And the rest of you, Are liars. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I feel like I have a PhD at missing the point. Let me give you an example of this. So I'll never forget it. And it's kind of an embarrassing story for me, but I'm going to share it anyway. So I remember when Lynn and I, Lynn was pregnant with our second child, our daughter Maranatha. So Obadiah at that time was about three years old. And we lived in this apartment, like a townhouse in Marin County, California, just over the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. And Our townhouse was here, but our car was like up the hill. And so sure enough, it was the time for Lynn to have Maranatha. And so my wife's a tough girl. You wouldn't know it when you meet her because she's so sweet and she's so kind, but she's strong, you know. And so my wife is the kind of woman who she would never want to go to the hospital to be sent home that it wasn't really time to have the baby. So in my house, it's like you end up getting to the hospital like two hours before the baby's born. Right? And so sure enough, Lynn, she's super pregnant with Maranatha, and so we eat dinner, you know, we go to bed, and I remember I woke up and it was about 10 o'clock and Lynn was in labor. Like real labor, like she didn't go to bed. I went to bed. I didn't realize what was going on, you know? And so sure enough, she's in labor. So she wakes me up and we have to call my father-in-law to come over here. And it was so funny because it was like, I'm not going to go to the hospital until I absolutely have to be there. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You know? And so sure enough, it's at the point where her laboring is so strong that I know I got to get her to the hospital. So I call my father-in-law. He's going to come over and watch a little Obadiah. And I'm like, I want to be a gentleman. I mean, she's going to have a baby. She's in labor. So I go to get the car. Right, And as I go to get the car I'm walking up to go get the car And I start thinking to myself Okay, so it's about 10.30 I ate dinner at about 5 o'clock And I'm like I'm getting a little bit hungry right now I told you, this is a story about it. Missing, adventures and missing the point, okay? Like, so I'm using myself as an object lesson here. And so sure enough, I'm having this thought to myself and I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's going to be a long night and she's going to have the baby. It could take a couple hours. Maybe it could take a couple days. I mean, who knows? And I'm like thinking to myself and I'm like, but you know what, Daniel? It's like, you know, your wife's having a baby and you need to get it together. You know, so sure enough, I get up to the car and I get in the car and I drive it down. And I turn it around. So it's like right there next to the door. And I think to myself, well, she's going to get in the car. And because at this time, Obadiah like three years old. So you know what the back of a car of someone where the three-year-old lives is, right? It's like if there was ever like a nuclear fallout, you just find any parent of a toddler and you go in their back seat, there's food there. You know, there's little fishies, you know, there's half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are there. I mean, all this stuff is there and all this food, like nothing will ever happen to it. It'll still be good and pretty fresh in about 15 years. So I have the bright idea. I want my wife to get into this car. I want it to look nice because obviously when you're having labor pains, you care about that. Of course not. I'm just... I got issues, you know. And so sure enough, I start cleaning out the back area because I know we're going to put the bag back there. And all of a sudden, my eyes catch this beautiful sight. It's golden. And it was orange. And it was shaped like a diamond. And there was a little mound of Cheez-Its. You know, but I must have been eating some Cheez-Its. A whole bunch of them hit the floor. And I remember looking at them. And my first thought was, oh, don't eat it. And then my next thought was, oh, those are going to taste so good when I eat it. I might not eat for a while. The survival's at stake here. And before I know it, I grab those cheeses, I stick them in my mouth, and I start chewing on it. And right as they get in my mouth, I take that first taste of it. I think to myself, this is not going to end well, Daniel. Daniel. So, you know, I'm in the car, you know, and I got some water and, try, and I take a couple of mints. I stick them in my mouth, you know, and I walk in the house. It's so funny. I walked in the house and right as I walked in, Lynn's right in the entryway and she's right in the middle of a labor pain, like a real nasty one. And all of a sudden she's in and she's moaning. She looks at me. And she's like, what are you eating? And it was the only time in our entire marriage that I got in like I got yelled at by my wife only time right there what are you eating and I felt I was like nothing you know <laughs> now I use that as an example because it's like totally missed the point right like I, I totally fail as a husband be like Fusco you fail tell me say husband fail go ahead tell me yeah. that's right I'm still repenting of this you know, because it was like, it was in that moment, I know better. I mean, she has all the hard work to do and I'm like thinking about how hungry I am and I'm eating Cheez-Its, you know? And so it's like, even like Cheez-Its are like illegal in my home because of this, still to this day, you know? I don't get a chance to get that back again. And ultimately, you know, Maranatha was born. She was amazing. We did get to the hospital and then was like nine centimeters dilated. Oh, Yeah. When we had Annabelle, I said, listen, we're going to the hospital when I say so this time. (laughs) Because I'm not the guy who's going to be delivering the baby in the backseat. That's not me, you know. But I share that story because if life, there's no jest rehearsal. And if all you have is today to live today, then we need to make sure that we get this stuff right. Right? Now, because of this, the reason why I knew I needed to write this book was because Jesus is the greatest person who ever lived not only is he the greatest teacher who ever lived, but he is God in flesh and the Savior and the Messiah. And when they asked the greatest person, the greatest teacher, the most wise person who ever lived, what the most important thing was, he told us. And for me, this reality of the greatest person who ever lived, the only person who always did those things which pleased his father, when he tells you this is the most important thing, then I want us to be really good at that. Now, here's the thing. We all even if it's your very first time in church today I realize that there are many of you who are like that You took a step of faith because somebody invited you And you're like okay I don't really know Everybody knows that Jesus said this though You don't need to go to church to know this This isn't like something that's hidden Everybody knows this truth But the key is It's not enough just to know what the most important thing is We have to learn how to do it Does that make sense? So it's not enough just to have the right information. We need to apply the right information. And we are going to be exploring that. And I am, have this book that is a much deeper dive in it. But I want to be able to give you the big idea. So in order to get at this, open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Or, of course, we do live in smart device day and age. You can pull that out and type that in in your favorite browser and you'll get it there. Of course, if you're part of our internet campus, open up another browser window so you can read along with this. Matthew 20. It's easy to find. If you're new to the Bible, you have the Old Testament from Genesis to the book of Malachi, which is everything before Jesus. Then you have the New Testament, which begins with Matthew's gospel and goes to the end of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation. So, of course, Matthew is the very first book in the new testament and chapter 22 sits ever so steadily and conveniently between chapters 21 and 23 so it says this verse 34 of matthew 22 says but when the pharisees heard that he had silenced the sadducees they gathered together then one of them a lawyer asked him a question testing him and saying teacher which is the greatest commandment in that law And Jesus said to him, verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, what I think is beautiful about this is that All of this begins with a question. It's in a a section of the Gospels where Jesus is repeatedly being asked questions. They're testing Jesus. All these different groups of people who have all these different agendas are coming to Jesus and they're all trying to catch him in his words because Jesus at this point is a highly controversial figure. Right. Jesus has been doing the work that he'd been doing long enough that he didn't land in any of the predominant camps that existed in that day. And so everybody was coming to the understanding at this point that Jesus is everybody's problem. And in a lot of ways, that's one of the things I love so much about Jesus. Jesus never did a good job of fitting into the boxes that existed in his day. And in a lot of ways, for you and for me as followers of Jesus, if you fit really nicely in one of the prevailing boxes of our culture that is not the God box, then I guarantee you, you are missing out on the life that Jesus has for you. Now, I realize that might be a little bit offensive, but I'm okay with that. And the reason I'm okay with that is because if you only get one shot at this life, and if Jesus did not fit well into any of the predominant structures of his day, who are we to think that as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to fit perfectly in all the predominant structures of our day. Makes sense, right? So everybody's struggling with Jesus and they keep coming. Different people keep coming and asking him all these different questions. And listen, what this reminds us that questions count. They're important. Most of us, we don't have the right answers because we're not willing to ask the hard questions. Or if we're willing to ask the hard questions, we really don't want the answers to those questions. Revelation comes on the heels of questions. See, this person who comes it says here that he's a lawyer so some of your translations say scribe mine says a lawyer when we think of a lawyer obviously you think of somebody in a suit in a court of law but the law was the law of moses and the lawyer the scribe their job was to not only copy the law the bible but they were charged with interpreting it and explaining it to the people Now, what's amazing is, is this guy comes and he asks a simple question, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, what's interesting is he wants to get a summation of all the law. Now, unless you've been in church for a while, and even a lot of people who've been in church for a while, you don't realize that when you think how many commandments are there in the Bible, everyone says what? 10. And the answer is wrong. The Ten Commandments are a unique set of commandments because they were the ones given to Moses on these tablets of stone written with the very finger of God on Mount Sinai. But if you actually read the Bible, you find that there are 613 commandments. Now, that's a lot of rules, isn't it? Now, what's amazing is is the rabbis would break down the 613 commandments into 365 negative commandments, which are 365 things you're not supposed to do. And then 248 positive commandments, which are things you're supposed to do. Now, does that sound a little overwhelming? Am I the only one who thinks, man, 613 rules, 365 that I'm not supposed to do, two I'm supposed to do. Who keeps up with that? And you know what? Isn't that how I feel about life? Isn't that how you feel about life? Like all these things you're supposed to do in life. What are we supposed to do? How do we boil life down to something that we can actually deal with? Because I can't handle, forget 613 laws, I can't handle 61 laws. You know? I mean, how many of you sometimes when you're driving and a cop pulls behind you, even if you're in the right lane doing the speed limit, you're still freaked out? That's right, because we're paranoid, right? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong half the time. It was funny, I was in the car with Pastor Stewart, who is our Love Now pastor, and we're literally taking an off-ramp, and we're going, and he's like, don't miss those cops right there. And right away, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm on an off-ramp. I'm not even speeding, you know? And before I know it, the cop pulls out, and I'm like, looking in the rearview mirror, I'm all freaked out. And I'm thinking about this, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And, And I went through all these things, I'm like, and then it dawned on me, there's some traffic laws that I don't even know about. So I'm just waiting to get pulled. Pastor Stewart's been on our staff for like three months. I'm going to get pulled over with Pastor Stewart. I'm like, oh yeah, take a video. I'm getting pulled over, you know? And praise God, the police officer didn't pull me over, but I'm sure if he pulled me over, I'm sure I was doing something wrong, right? And so that's how life feels for me. There's so many things to do. So what Jesus does is he answers this question, which what I like to call, this is a God-designed or a God-breathed system for living. Now, I'm going to give you the big picture. I'm actually, each point I'm going to give you today, is going to be its own message. So I'm going to give you the big flyover, the big idea. Now, the first big idea is this, that the art of living is loving. The art of living is loving. Now, where do I get that from? Because listen, when they ask you what the greatest commandment is, look what he says in verse 37, and you shall love the Lord your God. And then in verse 39, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you want to get what life is supposed to be? If you want to get it right the first time, the art of living is loving. You were created to love God and love other people. Now, how many of you guys think that's easy? (laughs) Everyone's just like, (laughs) it's not easy. But love is the point of this life. Now, it's important to realize that love in the Bible is not the way that we talk about love today. Love is a commonly used word. How many of you guys have heard that Eskimos have all these different words for snow? You guys have heard that? Because there's all these different types of snow, right? But for us, we just have snow. But for an Eskimo, because they live in snow... They have all these different words. Now, in the same way, the Greek language has all these different words for love, but we just have the word love. Now, I have a tendency to love lots of things. Like, I love to eat. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. You do too, right? I love football. Amen. Amen. And I can't wait for the New York Giants to win the Super Bowl. Yeah! (laughs) Sorry, I I was hopeful. There you go. I love to be a part of the Crossroads family. You know? I love that we get to live in this community together. But the thing is, if I love food the way I love my wife, I got a big problem. Why? Because... When you love food, or when you love sports, you love it for what it gives you, what you get out of it. And my friends, that's not the love that the Bible's talking about. See, most of the things our culture and our world loves are things that I get what I want from it, but the love that the art of living is all about, the love that's the point, is a love that gives so that others may have life, not ones that receives. This is why life can be so unfulfilling for us because all of our love relationships are what I want from it. And I stop loving when I don't get what I want from it. When what Jesus is inviting us into is a life that says real love sacrifices. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three and the greatest of these is what? Is love. How are you doing cultivating a life of love that is giving, not just receiving? See, to me, you can't talk about this system for living without realizing it's all about a self-sacrificial love. And that is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He loves so relentlessly and so passionately and so personally that he gave of his own life for us. And that is the point of life. But the problem is, is we live in a day and age where all love is, I want what I want. And it's got it completely backwards. So this system that Jesus has for us, this most important thing, if we just take one thing away, we need to realize that the art of living is loving. Now, from there, what we learn is that all of us are living in three directions. Now, first, what we learn is that we want to live upward, and that's loving God. So I'm applying a direction to this system of living that we are supposed to love God first and foremost. I call this living upward. That's why the book's called Upward, Inward, and Outward. The series is Upward, Inward, and Outward, because all of us are living in three directions. And because the art of living is loving, we want to live upward... By loving God. Isn't that what Jesus said? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And in Mark's gospel, it also includes, and with all your strength. Now, this is a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. So this is Deuteronomy 6.5. Out of all 613 commandments, the first and the foremost is Deuteronomy 6.5, what I like to call living upward. Now, if you think about this, it's love the Lord your God. Now that's important because it's meant to be personalized. Is the Lord your God? See, it doesn't say love the Lord the God, but it has to be personal. And God wants you to have a personal relationship with him. Now, what's important, of course, is that we love God because God first loved us. And so we need to let it be personal. And I realize that for some of you right now, your relationship with God, he's not your God. You're like, yeah, there maybe is a God, but he's not my God. And God wants it to be personal for you. And God has done really everything that it's humanly possible on his side of the wall to make it personal for you. But you have to respond. I always tell people that every relationship begins with a yes. And every relationship is sustained with a yes. When was the last time you said yes to the Lord? You said yes to receiving his love and giving his love back to him. That's something that we need to do every single day. Because you could say yes to a relationship for a long time and then start saying no, can't you? Some of you are in that right now. For years and years and years, you said yes to your marriage. But then along the way, you got hurt and you got frustrated. You got wounded and you started saying no. We need to keep saying yes. Now, the love that we are supposed to return to God, it's with the totality of who we are. Because notice it's with... All your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and then of course Mark's gospel adds strength in there. So you think of it, what God wants is He wants us to cultivate the art of loving God with the totality of who we are. The heart, of course, is the control center of our lives, right? It's where all decisions are made in the Bible. Your heart. You didn't say by heart, you know, my blood-pumping organ and a little left to center of my chest, you know what I mean, four valves. You know, arteries No, no It means that where all your life decisions are made With all of your soul This speaks of your will and your emotions Right? That place where that part of you That isn't purely intellectual abides Are you loving God? Are you living upward and cultivating a life Where your will and your emotions And your passions Are lined up with loving God? Course, with all your mind, that's your thought life. The way that you think, how you think about things.
0: Jesus is real. Jesus wasn't a safe or easily tameable individual. He had truth to share, people to show love to. As we began this new series today with Pastor Daniel, we learned that if we really want to live this life well the way Jesus did, we can't let the world conform us to its standards. Instead, we need to learn to love well in all circumstances. This includes loving God with all we are and loving each other as God loves us. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to jesusisrealradio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares 2-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to jesusisrealradio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will give us a flyover version of what we'll be digging into in this new series. We'll look at loving God as he intended us to with every part of who we are. We'll then move into a discussion of loving ourselves, realizing our need for the grace God gives, and then learning to love outwardly to the world around us. This doesn't just mean our friends and family, it means everyone. Well, you've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Upward, Inward, Outward. Until then, may God bless.